0: Listening to Rogue Table Talks. Here's Mike. And here we are. We're back. Rogue Table Talk. Number 128. Uh 128. It's Mike and it's Chad. Uh, we're back again. Um, subscribe if you're listening to this and not subscribed wherever you find podcasts go to search for Rogue Table Talks on YouTube or is our website. Uh, we're going to continue uh, in uh, book of, a discussion of the book of Galatians here in just a moment. Um, but it's a beautiful day, beautiful morning, beautiful fall morning. If you're watching on YouTube, you can see a little bit of the fall foliage over Chad's right shoulder. That's uh, right. So yeah, it's lovely. It's uh, it's fall. It's it's a lovely time of year, um, at least usually. Um, But especially now, I think now, since we're kind of past the point of running kids around to school activities, (laughs) I almost I can enjoy it more. (laughs) Yeah, but you're in the running kids around uh, phase. Yeah, you have
1: you have a little more slowdown on your hand
0: yeah, a little more time to, yeah, walk the dog and enjoy the fall foliage, um, and so on. So, uh, but yeah, it's a lovely, lovely morning, uh, here in the greater St. Louis area. Um, and we're kind of beauty, beauty should, uh, speak to us of eternal things, uh, because of the, of the big story we're in where beauty is found. And, um, you know, being reminded of that. Uh, let's dive in to uh, pick back up again in the book of Galatians and sort of, um, it's sort of, you know, maybe he's landing a plane, sort of, and then making some points based on uh, the journey we've been on so far, um, where he's basically been pretty clear on the law can't save you, the law can't make you righteous, trying to keep the laws of is, is not going to work. You can't do it. Uh, the law can't bring you where you need to go, and so on. Uh, and, and in chapter 5 of Galatians, he picks up that theme, kind of concludes it, and then takes the next step, where he says, for freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept And then uh, picking back up again in verse 13. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. Okay. Christ has set us free from slavery uh, to the law. Do not submit again to yoke of slavery um so let's uh as he finishes that point what do you think is what is he saying here that's how is he landing the plane what is the what is the key point he's, is he is he saying in the first four chapters this is basically what we've been saying what is it like what, how would you answer that that question yeah just
1: his, yeah, it's just his summary of his whole argument essentially that christ is set you free so therefore remain in that freedom Um, but it's got to feel like i don't know if we talk about this too much it's got to feel like some sort of betrayal of conscience to stay in that freedom for them you know and i don't know if that's the way to put it but it has to feel counterintuitive to what they're wanting to do Um, because this was this was their habit this was their way of life it was ingrained in their daily rhythm and mind this is how this works so to do the opposite of that it, you you have to go against something it's kind of like the weaker brother stronger brother conversation how does the weaker brother ever actually grow into the stronger brother mm-hmm. well you don't want to betray your conscience on a regular basis but if you want to grow into uh, the stronger brother you're going to have to go against what you previously thought and open your mind up
0: yeah change is hard yeah That especially about significant sort of definitional things that um, I believe I have, I'm a righteous person because of these offerings I'm bringing, because of these practices I'm doing, because of these beliefs I'm holding. And then to basically say, well, nope, that's not why you're righteous if you're righteous. That's not how anybody gets righteous. Uh, after you've, tra- it's more than just changing your mind about an idea and finding out that the answer to the math problem is different than you thought, because you've sort of been working this problem your whole, you know, for a while. You've ingrained yourself, you've identified with this community, and then to sort of uproot yourself from that reality and live in another one is difficult, and you're sort of always drawn back to it. So we've talked about you know, last few weeks that there is an attraction to sort of taking control of my own righteousness and uh, trying to manage it uh, myself. Uh, So whether I lived under the law my whole life or whether it's somebody like me and us, there is a draw to having, having an under my own control, having a program that I'm working, that I can see it. Like there's a draw to working if you have a an exercise and a diet thing that you have you know lived under and you've made yourself fit or whatever or you think you have and then somebody comes along and says you don't have to do that anymore you're gonna feel like oh, but i think i do right
1: yeah yeah that's interesting take on it because you know we may not think about this in the same way that they were dealing with it but Uh, what I hear you saying is one of the ways it shows up for us is our routine, Mm -hmm. and uh, Paul Paul Coelho, the spiritual author, talks about routine is the one thing we do because we're afraid if we don't do it, something bad will happen. Mm -hmm. The way to summarize that, I've got this routine: my diet, my ex,
0: my I
1: gotta wake up at this time has to happen like this, whatever.
0: Right? Yeah, it's true. I mean it. It's sort of, uh, you know, the, it, my routine. My, my routine, <clears throat> to some degree, defines me, to some degree, comforts mm-hmm. me. You know, there's people who, uh, if you get up every, if you get up early, you got to get up early every morning for work, uh, or whatever, and then you sleep in till like seven thirty, or something, or eight. You, people feel guilty, like, oh my goodness you know, I can't believe I slept that long. Like they're almost making an excuse for sleeping. It's just because their routine has been, and then you sort of identify this is the sort of person I am. And it's kind of good to get up to this or whatever. Um, and it's sort of, that's who we are. We kind of get, it's easy to be defined. And, and it's, so it's a redefinition. And I think Paul is clear here as he lands this plane. He says, if you choose to define your righteousness through the law, again, you're bound you can't just dip your toe in the water. You're bound to keep the whole law. That you know, you've been you you've been you you, you who have been should be justified by the law, you have fallen away from grace because you can't keep the law. And so that's, you know, that's as he's landing this plane, uh he's m- making that clear. And then he says, I mean, it, he starts with and he re- re- returns to this idea of freedom. That for freedom Christ has set us So stand firm in your freedom. Uh, Verse 13, you were called to freedom. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Uh, For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So this idea of juxtaposed against this have to do the law, have to keep this, have to keep the routine, have to whatever, there's this freedom. And what does it mean, and what doesn't it mean, when when we have been set free for freedom, for freedom Christ has set us free, called to freedom. What does that mean, and what doesn't it mean? I suppose, uh, because and what do we tend to think freedom means? Like you have freedom. What do you do with that? Yeah, this is a this is a this
1: could be a really. This could be a book, books. Yeah. What is freedom? Yeah. What is freedom in regards to the will? Um, I think before, you know, Paul Paul gets to the counterpoint, you know, for freedom crest set you free. However, so but I think there's a lot to say in the for freedom crest to set you free. And I think that probably that's where the heart of the gospel is, is a very wide road between two two ditches, so to say, of antinomianism, which is anti-law, I can do whatever I want, or legalism, which is living under the law. Uh, I think it's a pretty wide road. There's a lot of freedom in Christ that we have been given, freedom from, um, you know, quote-unquote rule-keeping, freedom from perfectionism, freedom from trying to earn God's favor, freedom from fear of punishment or fear of judgment or, you know, shame. Um, That's a lot of freedom. Uh, Freedom from fear of the future. Like, if I do this, that's kind of this Christian karma. If I do this, God's going to punish me. Mm -hmm. If I do this, God's going to reward me. Mm -hmm. And freedom from those prisons. So I think... There's a lot to say there. Um, I don't know if you want to say anything about that until until we hit the counterpoint. But, I mean, there's freedom in those places.
0: Yeah, and I think to genuinely appreciate the freedom, we have to sort of genuinely confront the idea that I can't make myself righteous. It's a prison to live in a place where I'm continually propping up my own righteousness. I'm earning it, I'm working it out, I'm I'm making it. I'm avoiding unrighteousness. I'm running over and, you know, putting the sacrifice up on the altar to get, you know, to sh- rid myself of yesterday's unrighteousness and so on and so on. Um that you know, there's no other way to be free other than in, in Christ and by God's grace through faith that's given to us and you know we have to appreciate the the reality of of that we're free from the sin management project free from the maintain your own righteousness project free from free from that and so don't go back to rule keeping as righteousness don't go back to these things that all these other substitutes don't go back to that um and i do think though there's <clears throat> okay we're americans uh you know, we sort of romanticize freedom to some degree, uh, right? Um, we've grown up in a free society. Uh, and there's some sense in which we're importing something into that word that Paul may not be saying to us, right? Um, yeah. And so I think that the idea that freedom means I live in a free country, dot, 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 sort of we insert in there, that means I can do what I want. Basically, I mean, we at some level I okay, can't don't murder people, but basically, I can do what I want because I have freedom. I have freedom in Christ, you can't judge me. Uh, you know, I can't make myself righteous anyway, so I have freedom, so I can do whatever I want. Uh, and yeah. or strong, more strongly put, it doesn't really matter what I do. I have freedom in Christ. Can't make myself righteous anyway, so right. that's obviously not what Paul is saying, right? Well, uh, a friend and I were
1: talking about this. This was years ago uh, before cancel culture and before um, kind of that was all over social media and in the workplace. But someone got fired for uh, what they would said. Mm-hmm. And uh, they were surprised by that and said freedom of speech. And my friend said, well, yeah, there's freedom of speech, but that doesn't mean there's no consequences. You can right. you're free to say something. But your employer is also free to fire you for saying something. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So he has freedom. So I think there's, you know, freedom in Christ, but there's also consequences. I'm free, but this is true freedom. This utopian freedom, or if that's not even the right word, hedonism type freedom, Mm. freedom. It just is not real. No one actually lives like that. It's a uh, empty and vain philosophy, because if you wrap your car around a tree, it hurts
0: you yeah. so know there's there's you no get one by reality did, right it's, yeah, it's actually a different reality. version of slavery you become enslaved to a different way of living that can't fulfill chasing after pleasure chasing after whatever um and obviously it doesn't make people happy I mean just look around um yeah I think I mean I think it's important. You know, here in this text, Paul is saying, well, "You're free from the requirements of the law for righteousness. Uh it doesn't mean you have no obligations to anyone else. It doesn't mean you can do whatever you want and live however you want. It doesn't mean that because you know, there's lots of other passages, teachings of Jesus, where clearly our choices matter. Clearly we're called to something bigger. Clearly, there's a different story we're living in, that we're called to live in it well. Um, we're free from the Old Testament law and the burden of it, but it doesn't mean we're we therefore, it doesn't matter what we do or how we live. One of the one of my uh one of the passages I return to a lot is this 1 Corinthians 9 passage, where Paul is saying that he became a slave to all. He became a servant to all. Which obviously, in a sense, is he's saying. In my freedom, being freed from the law, I was freed to become a servant so that I might win some for the gospel. So to the Jews, I became as a Jew in order to win the Jews. Yeah. To those under the law, I became as one under the law, though not myself being under the law. So I'm not bound by the Old Testament law, but when I would go into the world of a Jewish person, I would I could live in that rhythm in order to win them. To uh, those under the not under the law, outside the law, I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. That I'm still under the law of Christ, whatever that, you know, what that means, that I need to love, and he says this here, the whole law is summed up into something you can't do on your own without being transformed, to love your neighbor as yourself. You know, that's, yes, I'm free, but I'm called to love my neighbor as I love myself. I'm called to do this impossible thing, forgive my enemies. I'm free, but I'm called to forgive my enemies and love my neighbor and be like Christ and deny myself and be a living sacrifice. I'm free. I'm free in that I can fail all, all of those things repeatedly and still have the righteousness of Christ. But it's not free in the sense that we think of freedom in America, where open roads, live the way you want, do what you want, um that's not what Paul is, is saying, and I think I don't know if we're if Americans or Westerners are unique or if that's you know something common to humanity, but we tend to want to be free from all obligations. And so when we say when we hear Paul say for freedom crisis us free, we might think, I don't have any obligations anymore. I can do whatever I want, doesn't matter. And that's that's not what he's saying. Uh, as you say, that, that becomes its own its own bondage uh, in a sense. Uh, well, it, it it
1: is because it's. I tend to think of Christianity as speaking to uh, the real realities in which we experience the the best holiest version of Christianity. So, when God calls us to constrain our selfishness, so that we might serve the other. That actually, if we start to live that way, we live um, more open-hearted and more fulfilled lives. And so, it's actually very existentially desirable to have ethics mm-hmm. and to to. So Jesus doesn't. And this is where, you know, this is a, a pretty complex issue. But this is one version of the law that Paul is talking about. Um, some some theologians Calvin explicitly specifically talked about three uses of the law. So this is one use of the law, but the third use of the law is that keeping in step with the rhythms of the ethics of the new Testament is life. Mm-hmm. It's health. It's fulfillment. It's not, it's not that we never feel the effects of living East of Eden, but it is that our minds and hearts are more settled. They're more at peace. Um, and we find meaning and purpose in our everyday living because we've submitted to those ethics.
0: Yeah, I think it's, it's that's, uh, you know, what that makes me think of is, you know, this notion that, you know, obligated to the law, not obligated to the law, you know, exists in this reality in which not only are we unable to keep the law, but we typically don't choose to do what God wants us to do. Uh, You know, we can't keep the law, A, and B. We're not always trying, if we're honest. Like we're always, you know, um, and so what needs to, for true transformation, our heart needs to be changed so that we desire more of, of of the rhythms that the law would have given us if we could do it. Um, because it, it is in denial of self and selfless living and selfless living and, and loving my neighbor in which true life, true meaning is found. We just, on our own, either can't do it and don't choose to do it usually. So we need to be transformed. Uh, and in, in, you know, in, in being transformed, we, in a sense, the rhythms of our life begin to look more like somebody who if they could keep the law, could, would keep the law. Because Jesus kept the law. You know, he perfectly kept the law and we're supposed to be like Christ and be transformed into Christ-likeness. Not so that we can keep the law, but so that we can be like Christ, mm-hmm. which was the reason all along. And I just think that the idea that my chooser is broken, that my, you know, the person, you know, the, the I'm part of the brokenness, not just that I keep trying the right thing and failing, but I don't always try the right thing. I choose the wrong thing. And so... I have to remember that part of my fallenness when for freedom Christ has set us free obviously doesn't mean do whatever you want because what I want sometimes is going to be wrong and selfish <laughs> and, right, isolated yeah. and all that stuff. Yeah, and any person uh, worth their weight in salt that
1: uses their mind understands that. Do whatever you want is a very... It doesn't get you very far in the realm of
0: what's actually good for you. Right. I mean, you wouldn't tell your kids that. You wouldn't tell your high schooler that. You wouldn't tell anybody. I mean, anybody you cared about, you wouldn't say, do whatever you want. That's that's a recipe. You know, you'd say that to somebody who you don't care about at all because that's yes. horrible advice. Yeah, even the most pagan of, of
1: teachers in, in the high, local high school, never tell a student that.
0: Yeah, right. But my point is we can tell ourselves that. Like, I would never that. tell you that if I cared about you, but I might tell myself, like, what I want is okay. What you want, is going to hurt you, but what I want is okay. Uh, and so, you know, all of that needs to be transformed by the gospel. And that's kind of where I want to go next is, you know, in verses five and six, he, sa- he says, for through the spirit by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision Counts for anything, but only faith working through love. So, and that you know, the whole law, verse fourteen, is fulfilled in one word: "You shall love your neighbor as yourself." So, there's this idea of um, transformation, this process of working out stuff um, that you know we we eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. We probably should talk about that just for a second because we've been saying we get righteousness by christ by god's grace through faith so our account you know we have righteousness but then also we eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness so talk about that for a little bit what is paul saying in those two ideas put together
1: uh yeah in romans 8 theology terms it's justification and then glorification so we've been given Christ's righteousness uh, and, and as a down payment, so to speak, but our account hasn't been fully completed. It will be when we die or Christ returns. And the in-between that is the sanctification, it's the transformation process. The implication is if one has occurred, then the others will occur. Mm-hmm. And so to be made righteous in Christ gives us the hope that our final completion of being made whole will will come to pass
0: yeah so it's both right yeah we have been declared righteous we have the righteousness of christ positionally you know god has said it and yet obviously we don't live as christ lived completely our hearts not completely transformed we have the hope that one day We will be transformed so that we live in in accordance with the righteousness we've been given. Both things are true, and in the hope of righteousness, that it's this—you know—it's the faith working through love by the Holy Spirit transforms us. That this is the path to living out the righteousness we're given, and the law can't doesn't—it's powerless that, that we have to submit ourselves to this process where we're actually being changed. Uh, and as, as sort of a, a demonstration of that a, a process or what, of thinking about what that really means for us, you know, he says, for the whole law is fulfilled in this one statement, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The whole law is fulfilled in this obligation that we can't possibly do without being radically transformed and really can't do fully until we are fully and finally you know when we're in glorification that's probably when we will love our neighbor as ourselves fully now it's an ideal and we have to be transformed to live more and more like it but in a sense i think getting back to that first question that that's, if we really grapple with loving my neighbor as myself, all my neighbors, the, my enemies as well, that's impossible. And if I have to choose between this impossible thing, that if I'm honest, I can't really do, and these this list of 20 things that I can just manage and check, then that's more manageable than this thing, which seems unmanageable. It is unmanageable, and that's part of our dilemma. That we part of the drawback to the list is I feel like I can do the list. I, I don't yeah, know it, that I could love it this. It
1: seems person. easier, right? It seems, uh, you know, keep these, keep this legislation, or love this person. I think our hearts probably would rather keep this legislation.
0: Right. Yeah, yeah. and and the because you know, the irony is. Okay, we can't keep the legislation. I mean, we we think it's more doable, but Paul spent four chapters saying you can't do it. It's not mm-hmm. doable. If it was mm-hmm. doable, Christ died for no purpose. He died on the cross because you can't do it. And it's true that you can't do it. And so now you're free from having to do it, but you're called to something even more undoable. Even, you know, even more undoable than the law what the law hoped to point to was to love your neighbor as yourself and that is i mean you are uh you are even more in need of god's help to love your neighbor as yourself as you would be to try to keep some conception of the law or the legislation and i do think that's part of you know christian transformation saying you know it's sort of a, if we really grapple with it honestly, it's sort of overwhelming, right? Yeah. Yeah, and that's kind of the
1: point. It's overwhelming, and it feels like a task that's too big for whatever toolkit we have. That's kind of the whole point. So that yes. we continue to depend on Christ for the proper tools of love, and and be honest with ourselves and say. I, maybe I don't want to love this person, but I know I'm called to love this person. What does that look like? Christ, help me. Like, Give me the internal transformation. And then you act as if that were going to be true. This is getting a little bit in the practical sense, but you don't wait for yes compassion to show up. You show compassion. You act as if Christ is going to answer your prayers of help me love this person. If I just sat around... You know maybe, maybe it's just me because my own story and heart, but if I just sat around waiting to feel positive about people, I, I mean, I'd love a few people, mm-hmm. right? I'd love yeah. a couple people, but, but Jesus yeah. says, "But what good is that? What, even, right. even the pagans do that. They love those who love
0: right. them. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's right. The way transformation then works out is we have to follow the actions of Christ and be transformed our heart transformed by Christ as we be attempt to follow him, however imperfectly, uh, that, again, we're not free from all obligations. We are free from the law, but we ought to figure out what loving my neighbor actually means tangibly, which doesn't mean some feeling in my heart. It means actually doing stuff and you know acting on their behalf, even when it costs me something. That's more the biblical definition of love. It doesn't mean a feeling. It you know, feelings come and go, obviously, but, uh, and not to denigrate them, but I, if I'm waiting for, until I feel like loving you, right. I'm never, you know, probably not going to love you very well. And, but the irony is I might feel like loving you more six months into a very difficult, the very difficult project of loving you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, That's really right.
1: Yes. Yeah. And we want things to be from the heart and that's ideal but we don't always have the ideal so we work with what we got and then you're right our and this isn't this isn't a um a maxim so to speak everything mm-hmm. is a case by case basis you this may not always be true you may ha- have feelings of compassion and affection and that causes you to show things you may not all we're saying is the point of you still show love and compassion uh, because that's the ethic, even Mm -hmm. when your feelings want to, you know, withhold it.
0: Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. I think that's, you know, and that's kind of what, you know, if you read uh, a Sermon on the Mount and uh, other things, um, this sort of what it means to actually love, to follow God, to be Christ-like, to love, to forgive if I'm reading stuff like that and not thinking about other people and what they should be doing and thinking about me and being honest, uh, you know, I realize that, yeah, there might be times where I feel like doing that, but uh, I'm not always going to feel like doing it. And the whole part of the the thrust of that teaching is a tendency that we will have will be to fool ourselves into thinking that we want to do this when we're really just doing it for show we're praying in public, we're giving in public, we're making these pronouncements. It's all, in a sense, to make us feel better about ourselves, and it's not really about the other person at all. And there's some degree in which everything we do is sort of poisoned by that to some degree, because we're fallen uh, people. But it's in working through this imperfect expressions of forgiveness and love and faithfulness that God, by his Spirit, empowers us, meets us, and transforms us. And that's the only way the other person will actually probably feel t- actual love from us because the actual love comes from God. Um, I can't make it on my own, I can't conjure it up uh, and that's what Paul's saying for freedom, Christ has set us free uh but no, don't use it for some some you know license or whatever you're called to freedom, but you're called to love one another, and you have now you are now free. Actually, being loosened by the requirements of the law, you're free to actually love. You're free to be transformed in the process of in the imperfect process of loving, empowered by the Spirit. And so, like, go do that. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Go do that. Freed from the the, uh, the bounds of the law for for, the, for righteousness, you actually will begin to fulfill it more and more. Um, and so, you know, we end these things by saying grace and peace, and I think that's where. We have peace with God through His grace. And in that place is where we can begin to be transformed and to begin to love one another well. Because on our own, we tend not to do that. So let's end it there. Grace and peace, everyone. Thanks for listening to Rogue Table Talks. Be sure you're subscribed to our podcast wherever you listen and on our YouTube channel. Just search Rogue Table Talks.